to TopCon Talks Agriculture. I'm your host today, Jared Oaks. I'm the Global Product Manager for Agricultural IoT with TopCon Agriculture. We're really excited about today's guest, Nathan Peterson. Nathan Peterson is with Peterson Family Farms. Some of you may know Nathan and his brothers from their YouTube channel, Peterson Farm Bros. Um, Nathan and his family farm in Asaria, Kansas, which is near Salina and Abilene. They are a multi-generational farm. Uh, they, they operate a cattle and a grain production. And obviously uh, big in the agricultural advocacy and education component as well with various events and, and YouTube and just getting the word out there about what farmers do and how hard they work and how they do care about uh, the land and family. Welcome. Welcome to the podcast, Nathan. Yeah, thank you for having me, Jared. Our, our pleasure, our pleasure. How uh, it's been, I'm in Kansas City here, Nathan. It's been a little bit rainy and cool and we've been getting a little reprieve, which I'm not complaining about. How How's the weather out your way? Yeah, we've had some, some cooler weather. Uh, we could definitely use some rain. We missed the last couple Last couple of rains, we had a, a rainy spell right in the middle of wheat harvest, which, um, you know, sometimes that's not a good thing, but, but we definitely took it because it soaked right in and, and, uh, that's gotten us by till now, but we could definitely use another rain now, but, um, it has been nice to wake up in the morning and have some cool hours, you know, cooler overnights. Yeah. So you can't complain about that. Yeah. That. I'm sh- our, our corn uh, and, and sorghum that we're, you know, trying to grow uh, on our farm, we uh, were similar to you. We had some some rain kind of in the middle or towards the end of uh, of our wheat harvest. And man, it it made all the difference. But uh, yeah, those cooler mornings. I know I know our cattle sure appreciate it, too. Did, now, did you guys get all finished up with uh, with wheat harvest maybe uh, just before the 4th of July or how did that all end up? Yeah, we did. I think. Well, we were done by July 1st, even, I think. Um, and then we were okay. um, running a lot of double crop. Um, so we're, Kendall's actually finishing. We're doing a one uh, kind of forage blend uh, to put the cows on this fall. So he's finishing that up um, today and maybe tomorrow. But that's kind of the last of the seeding and, and, uh, Mm-hmm. So yeah, we're kind of getting wrapped up with all that field work. Yeah, so he's he's Kendall's out putting kind of a grazable uh, cover crop on. Sounds like in some wheat yep. something. Yep. Fantastic. Yeah, it's kind of a five way mix, I think. So. How how did overall how did the how did the wheat harvest you know go? Were you guys were you guys uh, you know did you have some some fungus or uh, you know some disease pressures later on in the season that you had to maybe aerial apply some product or did you? Did you, you feel like you had a pretty good, pretty good season or? Uh, yeah, we were pretty, uh, pleased. I had put on fungicide right before it kind of got rainy and it it was even, the wheat was looking a little dry at that point, but we had Mm -hmm. rain in the forecast. So I put on fungicide and we got some really good rains to help that wheat, you know, head out and finish and fill really well. So, um, we didn't have to really do anything after that. We we had a couple fields affected by some uh, wheat streak mosaic virus, which is uh, was a little frustrating because you know we can't can't do too much at that point about that one. But um, overall, we were pleased with 
with yields and um, especially with how small and, and dry the wheat was all winter. We had a really dry fall and um, but it, it was there the spring and, and then got those good rains to fill well and and uh, we had a pretty good harvest. So Excellent. That's excellent. That makes that always that always makes uh, makes everything go a little bit smoother. Yeah. Well, that's fantastic news to hear. Thanks for thanks for sharing that. I uh, I I know the topic of the the podcast today is all about precision agricultural product adoption. Um, obviously, from the perspective of you and your family, the the farm, the farmers. We, we obviously know and our listeners know that you have a diverse uh, farming operation. You have a diverse farming, um, you know, group of stakeholders there uh, with your with your family. Um, obviously, the, the cattle and the grain production, lots of equipment to, to manage and uh, kind of remember how to operate yeah. each and every time you jump back into it, which are definitely some of the challenges. Um Big topic, Nathan, I'll kind of leave it up to you uh, where you want to start on that. Uh, remember, a lot of our listeners are probably in a similar situation. Maybe they have some technology in some key pieces of equipment. Maybe some of that technology came with that equipment or maybe they've added it to uh, the equipment. Maybe it's uh, you know a little bit older and they've added some new technology to it. So with that in mind, where do you want to start eating away at this big topic of precision ag adoption in the farm? Yeah, well, um, I think it'd be good to kind of give some of my background was um, I, I majored in ag technology management at Kansas State. And um, so I kind of went to school for, um, we learned a lot about precision ag and I did an agronomy minor. So, and the goal the whole time, you know, was to go home and farm with my family. And, um, you know, you learn about all the different, um, options there are for precision agriculture. And, um, one thing they, you know, they would tell us was, well, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to even teach precision agriculture because the technology is changing so fast. Um, for it to get into the classroom, essentially you, you learn the basics and you learn the capabilities of what's out there. And then, you know, you have to go get employed by a company and learn and, you know, continue learning there. There's never, you, and this is how farming has been for a long time is, is you never really stop learning. There's always something else to learn. And so I uh, kind of had some goals as I graduated of, of what I thought was uh, most important. And, um, but I also knew that I had to be kind of flexible, flexible and, um, you know, be able to change with, uh, change my goals for, for how things were going. So, um, I would say kind of my, my main goals, um, coming out of college were, um, have, uh, yield monitoring and then have ability to do some variable rate um, seeding and fertilizer both and i'm I'm kind of still uh, in the process um, it's been it's been five years so it it takes some time especially um, when you're when you're uh, 
not a farm that trades equipment every year. You know, it, it takes some time to um, get what you want. And um, so we're, we're still in the process, um, but I have been able to do um, some variable rate application through our sprayer. And um, now uh, our planter and drill um, have some capabilities there too. So I'm kind of um, building on that and working on that. And then um, we haven't gotten the uh, yield monitoring in the combines yet, mostly because um, we're running two combines, sometimes three with an older 7720 John Deere. That's kind of how my dad likes to do it. And so um, mm-hmm. we're, mm-hmm. you know, running um, the older combines, but um, doing some other things to come up with zones in our fields to be able to do that variable rate. Um, and even if we don't have exact yield map data, we can come up with pretty good idea of, of what we think we can do, you know, on a zone, a zone basis in our fields. So that's kind of, um, the big overall picture of, of what we've been trying to do in the past five years. And it, you know, it'll still be a process the next five years Mm -hmm. and it's kind of always changing. So. Yeah, I, I think you you've really encapsulated really what precision agriculture is truly about. Of course, there are hundreds of options and buttons and screens and uh, widgets and all kinds of things, but the the end goal is to do exactly what you've just articulated, which is to manage the agricultural practices, not at the field level, but into smaller zones, right? So you can know uh, how to better care and manage for that unique area of the field uh, in a a different way. So it sounds like you've got a great plan and you've already made some strides in the areas of uh, adjustable fertilizer controls for those those areas of your soils in your fields. And it sounds like also some planter and drill, uh, I'm assuming just population control, um, your rate seeding rate or amount, uh, control that, so that, uh, you, you said, uh, on the combines, uh, that was still a work in progress, but what technologies are you, are you using today to establish some of these other types of zones in the absence of uh, yield monitors, are you guys doing soil sampling, fertility uh, monitoring? Um, you guys doing all that? Yeah, it would be a, a combination of, um, well, the base, yeah, would be soil sampling. Um, kind of uh, the way we've developed some of the zones are kind of a combination between soil type and um, some um, uh, let's see here. What in the, what is the word I'm looking for? The imagery, Mm. um, kind of satellite imagery. Yeah. So it's, yeah. So let's see if I can put that better. So we would use a, to, to develop our zones, we have used a, a combination of, um, kind of, of the base would be soil sampling and then, um, using our soil type, and combined with um, satellite imagery to kind of develop um, 
where where the spots in our fields that are um, more productive and and less productive. Kind of a kind of like a high, medium, low type of a type of a strategy. Just something yeah. to break things. Yeah, I think that's uh, that's really practical. Now, um, would you categorize yourself into say a, a grid sampling approach, or would you categorize yourself in just more of a you know, like a, uh, you know, a generalized, a generalized management zone, uh, which, which one of those, um, practices would you kind of lump yourself in with Nathan? I would call it more of a, a generalized zone, uh, zone based system. Um, we actually, the, the, the group we were doing it all with gave us like probably five or six zones. And even from there, I kind of simplified it down to like two or three zones per field, just because for simplicity's sake. And um, where we are in Kansas, there's, I mean, rainfall is our number one uh, factor. And some years you're going to get lots of rains, some years less. And so it's much more about, when you get your rainfall and how much versus um, the soil type or, or whatever. Um, but there is definitely some very variation every year. And so we are trying to capitalize on, on some of that as much as we can. Well, I can, I can definitely relate to farming in a limited rainfall scenario. I know a lot of our, a lot of our listeners uh, can relate to that as well. It would all, I'm sure it would all be a blessing if we all had irrigation. Um, But you know, but, but we do not. So, um, of course you're, you're likely using, um, uh, maybe split, uh, fertility options as, as a better way to manage, uh, and mitigate any of those yield limiting factors, giving the, the needed fertility to the plant when it needs it. And, and like you said, if you're in an environment where you have had some extra rainfall, maybe, maybe you go a little, the extra mile with the fertility, variety selections, all those things, right? Yeah, that's what, uh, like on our, our corn this year, you know, I kind of put a base rate of fertilizer out there um, when we planted. And then we had some some good rainfall there in June. And so, um, and it was actually getting a little later than I wanted to, but I went out and dropped some in on, um, you know, the 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 spots that were looking the best and, and have that yield potential, you know, the better parts of the field, um, put more on there and, and maybe a little on the, the medium spots. And, and that was kind of my strategy on the corn. And you can do similar things on, on the, on wheat and even, you know, even Milo, um, if you, if you work it out right. So now are you using the satellite imagery, say to base, uh, like you said that, you know, where those zones or where that corn looks better, for, for example, um, you're using the satellite imagery to then create a prescription, um, put it into the, uh, the NCAB monitor and, and apply it. Or are you using some real time crop sensing technology on the sprayer to, uh, to apply those products kind of more the, the imagery side, you know, see yeah, seeing how how things look. Okay. And, um, mm-hmm. Some of it, I a, a couple fields, I I even just kind of did it by by eyeball. You know, I went out there and 
I, I didn't bother driving through the, the top of the hill, you know, ground and stayed on, on the low ground and, and put the in on there. And, um, so some things you can sure almost just do by, by your own brain, but it, it is nice to back it up with, um, data for sure. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, if, if you've got, uh, yeah, a major discrepancy visually in, in how the crop looks, it's, it's pretty easy to ascertain, but, but yeah, when, uh, when everything generally looks the same and then those satellite image images or that in field sensing, uh, technology, you know, Topcon has a a sensor called a crop spec sensor, uh, similar, you know, to what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. Um, it really is remarkable what those sensors and what those satellite images can see and detect that you can't see, you know, with your, with your eye, especially as you get later on in the vegetative growth, you know, everything just looks, you know, uh, like it's full and healthy. Yeah. But, uh, those, those technologies really show you something that, that you didn't know was there. So, um, that sounds, that sounds fantastic. Now you're taking, um, those putting them into a system, uh, applying and assigning some rates to those. And what are you doing at that point? Are you taking, are you taking that stuff and putting it on a USB stick, taking it out to the machine? Uh, I assume maybe it's even a shape file or something, importing that into said uh, monitor in the cab and kind of going about it that way, uh, Nathan, or what's kind of give me what the workflow might look like there. Yeah. On the, um, when I did variable rate on, on the wheat, I did some on uh, a wheat field and um, that's what I, I got it off of a, or put it onto a USB drive and um, they actually brought it out to me and uploaded it onto um, my, my monitor controller. And, um, and then, yeah, we opened up the, the shape files and, uh, it did its thing. Yep. You've gotten some new technology on, you know, planters and drills. Um, obviously you, you had some success with the planter this year. You got, you got some, you got some corn in and, and, and it's up and it's growing. Um, was there a big learning curve with the planter itself, the technology, uh, kind of operator learning curves? Um, how did, how did that go? Yeah. Um, it was exciting to, to run a new, a new planter with kind of a new system. We, we had actually demoed a, we're, we're right close to Great Plains manufacturing. And so we had demoed one of their, um, PL 5,700 planters a couple of years ago. So, um, Mm -hmm. and then, and then this year, um, we have one for ourselves and, and, uh, so it was our first year running that planter and for all season. Um, but a lot of that learning curve kind of had already been done two years ago. Now there was a lot of, um, you know, refreshing and, and, uh, some different things with, um, the tractor and the system and getting it all set up. But, um, yeah, it was, um, to me it was, it was pretty simple to, um, learn there. There's a lot of steps, I guess. Um, but once you understand how it all goes together, it, it was fun to, um, have that it's, it's an IRC planter. So we had, um, you know, individually controlled, uh, 
electric drive controlled row units. And so we were able to set up the uh, auto row shutoff. And um, yeah. that was really fun to see work. And, and now um, that all these crops are up, you can kind of see your, um, you know, on, on an angled uh, point row, you can headland. see, yeah, yeah, headland, you can see where it was shutting off. And um, so um, that was kind of fun for me to set up and then, you know, just wait till everything sprouted and make sure, you know, and, and see it actually growing and like, okay, it did what I wanted it to do. And, um, so that was all, um, kind of fun to go through and, and, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited for the, the possibilities on, on that planter for, um, variable rate seeding and, and, uh, things like that. I kind of, with the, how the year went, we kind of went right into corn planting and then, um, uh, I didn't have time to, to set up, uh, variable rate seeding, um, on any of our fields this year, but that would be another goal, uh, for next year. So just, you think you'll likely just, uh, slightly increase or maybe slightly decrease the population in, in some of those areas of the field that, you know, or, historically more or less productive okay yeah great yeah yeah corn corn would be the main one and uh you know and like on our on our we have a couple irrigated fields and we could you know we'll bump that population if we have the ability you know bump the population some for the irrigated part versus the the corners and then now are you you guys uh, and your family there, it's, it's, is it wheat, soybeans, corn, a little, maybe alfalfa or some hay, you know, hay production, some, some things like uh-huh. that. Do you guys also, I know there's some folks in those areas that also do a little bit of grain sorghum. Are you guys doing any sorghum this year or not? Yeah, we still are growing more grain sorghum than corn. Um, we kind of plant enough, enough corn that, uh, either it's irrigated or if it's dry land, we, we have the ability to chop it and feed it all to cattle if it does um, burn up. Cause we do just tend to have those summers where sure. our corn doesn't make it to grain. And so we kind of try to keep our, our corn acres on better bottom ground and then just not too many corn acres. Um, just because Milo, uh, grain sorghum tends to be that consistent, yeah yielder for us and uh that's pretty good and then that's this pretty year, good in the heat it's a good good crop for yeah hot and dry yeah yep it's it's a good fit for kansas especially where we're at so we haven't haven't given up on it yet yeah <laughs> yeah now are you are you guys also um integrating technology into your cattle operation as well nathan maybe maybe the the feeding side or or the mixing yeah, we are um, working on that too. Uh, I would call it uh, still a work in progress. Um, our cattle feeding has has always been, you know, our, our dad's thing, and um, he was he was more of a cattleman before uh, he was uh, more of a farmer. You know, he he farmed to feed his cattle, mm-hmm. feed the cattle, and um, now we've as we've um, expanded some of the farming. And, um, you know, we've had to come up with a new balance, but, um, so dad kind of, you know, we have, uh, ways that have worked for us a long time. And, um, 
we've been trying to, to look at, at ways to um, increase in efficiency in feeding and, and have better record keeping. And um, we are uh, kind of just uh, weighing, our, weighing our different options and, you know, kind of comparing um, that ability to have uh, more efficiency and uh, better record keeping versus um, simplicity and, uh, you know, everybody being able to do it, I guess, if that makes sense. So. Sure. Yeah, no, it, it definitely has to be a, a balance between because those systems can get extremely complicated. Um, there's, you know, just like a, a new combine or a new vehicle, right, Nathan? There's a, or a new website. There's, you know, a thousand options that, uh, you know, you can you can have or add or use. But typically you go into it and there's probably five options that you really use every single day, every time you turn it on or enable it. Um, so that, that, that makes perfect sense that that would be, uh, something that, that the farm is really valuing in your decision-making processes, the balance between simplicity and then sort of the ability to scale, right? Cause sometimes a really simple product won't allow you to say scale or go to that next, that next option. Maybe it's an increased herd size or granularity in your ra- capability to change your ration or or something with your mixing, but uh, that that all sounds uh, you know pretty pretty similar to some of the other uh, farms and voices we've spoken to. What what have some of the biggest I don't know I don't want to call them challenges, but you know hurdles or just things as a family you guys uh, have run across? Is it uh, just, just learning the technology. Is it, you know, just that you, you, it maybe it wasn't dependable when you needed to power it up. Um, and you kind of have to see this from two perspectives, this question, Nathan, you know, you kind of have to see it from say your perspective. You're a, a younger guy that obviously is not, doesn't appear you have any fear to push a button. Right. And then, and then there's maybe, uh, your father, similar to maybe mine, that uh, is is a bit apprehensive to push that button, unless he's got you on the on the phone. Can you talk some talk to some of the listeners because many of them are likely in similar scenarios. You know, maybe they're the tech advocate or they're the tech expert, but you know, since it's a multi generational farm, walk the listeners through some of the things you've learned. Uh, maybe some of the things you've gone through, maybe what, what you would have done different or, or, or how things worked out if you can. Yeah, I think, um, the, the main thing, um, in kind of adopting new technology is, is making the time to, uh, learn, you learn the ins and outs and, um, there probably needs to be, you know, one person that, uh, re- really understands everything inside and out. Uh, but then, um, you know, everyone that's going to be dealing with it needs to know, you know, kind of, um, the basics, or I should say even just a little beyond the basics, make sure, um, they kind of understand what's happening behind, um, you know, those buttons so that they aren't scared, you know, to push, you know, push the right, the right button. And, um, I think, um, what, what we've faced is, um, finding that, that time, um, we, 
uh, well, relating it to our, um, our YouTube videos and public speaking we do, um, we can be, uh, in and out sometimes. And we've, we've found ourselves pretty busy at times and, and, uh, we have to make sure, you know, dad, dad knows, um, how to use the technology so that when we leave and aren't there, you know, uh, yeah, we can, um, we can video chat in with them or call them on the phone and walk them through things. But it's, it's a lot easier if everything's already set up and, and ready to go. And um, another challenge I'd say we've faced is, um, especially on the cattle feeding side is it's hard to just kind of do a trial run of, um, like a, like a cattle feeding program. Um, you kind of have to go a hundred percent in, um, or, or not. And that's kind of the challenge we've found is, uh, we've, we've had our, our way of doing it. Um, and we can move pins around easily. We can move cattle around, um, and keep track of on paper essentially, but you, you know, we're writing a lot on paper. Um, but to go to more of an online based thing, you kind of have to get every, every pin going, um, and, and get it, everything plugged into the system at once and, and make the full switch. And then once that's done, you know, then it's very valuable information and very good record keeping, but, you know, record keeping has always been, um, good data in good data out. And so you have to make sure you have that time to make the full switch so that you're getting that good data in and good data out that that is the the biggest inherent challenge of of all this right when you're in the corner of the field and it's go time right it doesn't seem uh it doesn't seem that important to to stop take 3 or 4 minutes to make sure everything is set up uh maybe there's a voice on the radio asking why you aren't already moving what's wrong <laughs> you know um same thing with uh you know feeding animals every day they're just crying for uh for that for that food they're hungry every every day uh especially on the cow calf side right at weaning and, and other times but uh yeah it's like that that alarm clock is beeping but you have to focus and make sure that you're diligent in your input process otherwise you're right you end up with kind of a pile of garbage you know that's what they say in the computer world you know garbage in garbage out um is there uh you know is and and you talked a moment ago about sort of the total commitment of the farm right where it sort of can't be uh just one person promoting the usage and the advancements you know in these areas around technology you did mention a second ago maybe one person is the maybe kind of the expert of the group right they they sort of know where all the connectors and, and, and these items are located. But, uh, I think you had a very powerful statement, Nathan, you said really everybody needs to commit to knowing the basics, knowing, okay, this is our goal and everybody has to commit. Um, maybe even it's just to add a little bit of patience to the process to get those, uh, data points input correctly. Is that, is that, is that kind of, is that right, Nathan, how I've, uh, kind of repeated back kind of some of your golden rules, if you will. 
Yeah, yeah, that's exactly um, kind of what yeah I was trying to get across. So, and it's it's easier to say that than it is to to do it in practice, right? Um, when again, when the when the time when you're up against the clock, that's when it seems like these these goals break down, right? Um, uh-huh. Which would probably be no different than a football team right? Who's practiced and practiced and practiced for weeks before the big game and maybe even practiced for a specific scenario to happen. But then when that scenario occurs, it's almost like all that goes out, goes out the window if you're not prepared and uh, what, whatever variation of a plan you execute is almost done by the seat of your pants, right? Yeah. Sometimes, you know, you just, you just kind of have to go on the fly, <laughs> but you, you got to go, you got to go with it. That That's right. And that's still the, the art form of agriculture. So, uh, we're, uh, I'm really appreciative of your time today, Nathan, and we're, we're coming up on, uh, kind of the, the, the length of these podcasts that, that we like to keep. Um, I want to give you the opportunity to talk, uh, you know, to these different generations of growers, to these listeners out there. Um, maybe it's uh, something for them to look forward to or something, you know, some kind of to learn from any advice that, uh, that, that you would give to them. Uh, just some, just some parting words or so, or so Nathan, what would you, what would you kind of advocate our listeners to think of when it comes to adopting precision agriculture products on grain and, and cattle Uh, farms out there today? Yeah, I would say, um, the most important thing is to have, you know, good communication between, um, all the, all the players, whether it's the older generation and younger generation or, um, you know, um, whether it's brothers, you know, family members or, or just coworkers, um, taking time to meet and talk over your goals and then finding the right products to, um, meet those goals. And, um, and also thinking of the big picture and, you know, which, um, which products will fit well, um, in every piece of machinery and then, and then fit well each other, Mm -hmm. uh, with each other, um, you know, being able to, to learn one screen that's in three different pieces of equipment, um, can be very valuable, um, so that would be talking, you know, just communicating and coming up with your goals. And then, um, just understanding that, you know, once you're executing that plan, um, everyone needs to, um, take responsibility and, and, uh, and, you know, start learning, um, read, read instruction manuals, even if it's boring. And, um, you know, the, the young people, um, that might be able to just poke around on a touch screen and figure things out. They probably still need to read the instruction manual and, and, you know, learn some of the behind the scene things. Um, and the, you know, the older generation that is scared of the touch screen, but maybe knows more about nuts and bolts of things. Um, you know, they, they kind of need to go about it the opposite way and, and still be willing to learn and practice and, um, I think older generation, you know, practice, um, learning a, a cell phone touch screen. You know, a lot of these, uh, screens that are in tractors now are, are built very, 
Um, they're designed to, to operate similar to even a mm-hmm. cell phone touchscreen, a, a cell phone with different apps. And that's the way I try to explain it to um, my family members is, is think of it like that. And, and then you can, you can practice, you know, on your cell phone. And then I would also say find time to practice, you know, in the winter, um, go and, and touch around on things and understand um, where different, different adjustments, different things are. Find time for the young generation and the old generation to sit in that cab together and, and talk through things and kind of keep your, your brain fresh on those things. Um, and the young generation, you know, be willing to learn and be willing to teach and be patient, you know, with, um, with whoever you're training because it will, it will take patience. Um, but, um, with technology, once you have it set up, once you have it understood, um, it, it makes things go a a lot simpler and a lot faster. I I think that's very, uh, very well said, Nathan, and powerful advice. Uh, I really, really like the, the piece about, um, the younger generation having the willingness to learn and teach, um, and be patient. I think those are really, really important components. Uh, Mr. Peterson, it has been an absolute pleasure uh, to speak with you today. Thank you so much for coming on to Topcon Talks Agriculture. Um, I'm sure we'll be working together and in touch uh, in the future. Thank you so much and have a great rest of your day. Okay, Nathan? Yeah, thank you for having me.